What's up, movie lovers? Welcome to episode number three of Ready Play Movies, your weekly source for everything that's new and exciting in the world of entertainment. Every Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific or 9 a.m. Eastern Time, we discuss the top news of the week, notable releases, what we're watching, big topics of the industry, and the movies we love. If you want to write anything to be read on the show, send us an email. Send us an email to readyplaymovies at gmail.com or just hit us up at readyplaymovies on Twitter. No matter where you found us, please subscribe to the feed so you can get every new, new show directly to your device as soon as it posts and if you like it please leave us a nice review this is january 26 2021 i'm your host lewis manchaka and i'm joined today not as always but by my co-host mr daniel lima hello hello it's good to be here so dan uh this is your uh, uh obviously just a quick housekeeping troy is uh had a, uh, a family emergency so he can't make the taping today so we got our sister show co-host uh ready play from ready play Mo- uh oh, ready damn, press I was play say, <laughs> i was about to say ready play movies oh which my is God. this uh, one right yes uh, <laughs> well we can just our, we can just do ready show, press ready play press on this play, uh, yeah. <laughs> on this fucker too um yeah Sorry, exactly. I kept interrupting you. <laughs> no, 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 you're good, man. It's 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 a quite a tongue twister when you got the two shows that sound very similar to each other mm-hmm. and similar uh, formats and everything. So yes, uh, the sister show, the co-host of Ready Press Play, Daniel Lima is here taking over the reins and filling in for Troy. Thank you very much for coming in on such short notice, but also uh, welcome to the show, of course. No, oh, thank you for welcoming me, and uh, no worries. We're we're, I was prepared to uh, to do this at some point. Um, you know, we're, we're spinning off a new show, and it and it's it's kind of new for for the both of us to have another thing going on that's also within the the Ready Press Play family. And I kind of had it in my head that I wanted to be part of the show eventually, anyway, in in some shape or form, as a guest, not as a regular. So I'm glad that we were able to get the opportunity to do it so soon. And it's going to be a little bit different. It's going to have a little bit of a different feel than the last two episodes, I'm sure. But, you know, I'm here for the ride. Yes, and I'm sure we'll have you on again, and maybe we can have Troy as a have like a three-person podcast going on. But uh, for now, let's just enjoy the time we have here because, uh, number one, I have to just say thank you very much to all the listeners. We actually had uh, really good numbers last week, and I was just so surprised by just how much reception we hit uh, with last week's episode. I think it was the theme song. I think that's what set it over the top. <laughs> it's uh, it's a bomb-ass theme song. I really like it. <laughs> yes, and this is uh, my first time hearing the theme song. Or this is my first time recording the podcast having heard the theme song because last week's on last week's episode even though the theme song was there it was edited in post so this is my my general reaction is like oh my god this is awesome it's got that 80s synth thing going on i my, my first thought was stranger things mm-hmm. uh but i know uh, last week troy was talking about tenet and i can sort of see like a sort of uh like that that be- that build up but it's definitely got uh that cool funkiness going on with uh with that beat and i really dig it and i'm glad that it's such a it's such a kick-ass beat and uh you know joel did it again man that's what i gotta say yeah good shit all right so let's go ahead and uh talk about some impressions here so there were two things that i've actually watched since last week's show uh number one the third episode of wandavision uh did drop and i am digging it the the show the whole episode was obviously in color uh but also it took place during like the 1970s uh esque era where uh there was like the staircase from like the brady bunch was in the background but there really wasn't much brady bunch thing going on but uh there was uh some new members were being added to the the wandavision family and uh 
what else can I say without giving it away? But it was really funny. It was really good. Of course, they did like the the special effects uh, from like the 1970s style with like the poof of smoke and stuff. So I thought that was very, really, really good and well done. And uh, there was actually a moment in the show that actually had me laughing out loud. And that was actually uh, that was actually better than uh, than last week's show, where it's like the last one, last couple uh, first two episodes were like a bit of a chuckle, but this one was actually a really legit like good setup and good payoff and good acting. So um, also the uh, the 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 plot is actually kicked off, uh, sort of moving along now like the actual uh like mystery box aspect of the show is uh, now in full swing and now I'm excited to see where the show goes from here. Mm-hmm. Let me let me ask you something. I have not watched any episode of this so far. In fact, I've barely really watched anything on Disney Plus yet, which I know, you know, I'm behind on and I, I have a lot to catch up there. But number one, how many episodes is this show going to have? Do we know already? Yes, uh, it's going to be eight in total. And uh, so we're at three in, so we have five more weeks to go. Okay, I like that. So it's like they're hopefully not going to overstay their welcome and try to uh, arbitrarily extend it to get, you know, people's attention for a lot of weeks. Uh, But then the other thing is like, as somebody that's been kind of jaded with the MCU in general, would you still recommend me to uh, watch this show? Do you think this show has enough to kind of bring me back in or should I maybe wait? I think you should probably wait. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, like the the whole plot hasn't really like started. The plot just barely got set off in motion. And I think you might have to wait to like maybe towards like maybe like the sixth or seventh episodes when maybe we start getting to cliffhanger territory and then you can be riveting because I think, I think this show is better for a binge watch. I don't know if, if this mm-hmm. specific series works as a week to week in my opinion. Um, I think the Mandalorian works better that way because it's everything's so self-contained. And every every individual so every individual episode is so good. But for like it for me, it feels like WandaVision kind of just sort of feels like uh, a movie that's been cut up. Mm-hmm. So okay, interesting. Yeah, it's it's like I hate to be like I hate to be the negative with things like that. It's just that I found myself kind of after Endgame, I. I, I've talked about this on the other podcast that we do, but since, you know, there's probably a different audience here too, I almost wish that they were kind of done with the MCU for a while um, and just Which gave technically us some time that was to... true, by the way. That was true. Because but... of the pandemic, but yeah. But it's been two years since uh, Spider-Man. So. Damn, has it really been that, that long? 2019, July yeah. 2019. So almost two years. Yeah, two, and a year and a half of hiatus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I didn't really feel very excited about the stuff to come. Like, all the Phase 4 stuff that they announced felt like, okay, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm done with this stuff, and, and maybe I'll, I'll come back in the future one day when there's when there's more stuff out there. And, and I can see whether, you know, it was worth it or not, whether it was all building to something or not. But I feel like, you know, the child in me is still, you know, it's as, as much as I've, I've blocked him with, like, all these walls of grumpiness... Um, as I get older, I feel like he's still there, and, and it, there's still a little bit of that wonder of like looking at the trailers for that show and being like, "Huh, I wonder, I wonder what that's like." I kind of want to watch it, so we'll see. I think I'm probably gonna wait till maybe all the episodes are out, and then kind of see the general opinion around it. If if the general yeah. opinion is like, "No, it was really good. You should watch it," then I'll I'll probably give it a give it a chance and just probably just binge it over a weekend or something. Yeah, of course, and with it being every episode being like thirty minutes, it's like literally a four-hour movie. So mm-hmm. uh, it's really easy to binge. And also, the what was I going to say about the uh, about the show? Uh, I think I think one of the things that does that that we did comment on last week um, is that the show is definitely 
stylistically different from anything that's ever come out on the MCU. So I mm-hmm. think that there's some creativity uh, on display that Disney is really flexing. So um, I think that from that stand up, that from that standpoint, it, that, that definitely the show is worth a, a check out. So, uh, cool but things. the other thing that I uh, I wanted to comment on is that I actually did watch uh, the uh, the uh, Netflix original movie uh, Outside the Wire, uh, starring Anthony Mackie. You know, we know him as Falcon from the the Winter Soldier, Falcon and the Winter Soldier uh, slash the MCU. Um, the movie was actually, I think the movie was, I don't know. The movie was good, but I don't think it was anything that I can I would say is going to be memorable. I think it's like the perfect Netflix movie. I, that's how I how I, exp- mm-hmm. how I want to explain it. It's like there are Netflix movies and they're good because they're on Netflix, but I don't know if they're good if they were if I was paying like ten dollars to go see the movie in theaters, kind of good. Mm-hmm. But I enjoyed myself. It was a good ro- it was a good little roller coaster ride. Um, they were trying to get into some deep philosophical stuff, but nothing really too well executed. But, you know, you can tell that it was there. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie was, is Anthony Mackie as an android. He's like a, he's an oh. android, like a synthetic guy. And he's like a, a, he's a captain in the military, but his soldiers don't know he's a robot or only certain people know he's a robot because it's a need to know basis. But, you know, yeah. Interesting. And is this part of the new like Netflix initiative of having a different movie every week or whatever? I believe so. Um, it did come out in uh, like two a week and a half ago, I guess, uh, in, mm-hmm. in um, like last Friday. So it's definitely they, they've got content coming out like every week and stuff. Some things are series. Some things are from abroad, you know, but, you know, it's definitely another one of those movies that's, you know, it's got it's, it kind of was a bit of a flash in the pan because um, we're going to get into the charts later on, but it's not even the top 10 anymore. And that thing is, you know, not even two weeks old. Mm-hmm. So interesting yeah i always i always like to see the netflix top 10 stuff because i feel like some things just kind of stay there for a while but then a lot of things just kind of come and go i feel like everybody collectively watches it that week because it was one of the new things added and it was like there was like a big banner for it at at, at the top of netflix for everybody do you think how much do you think netflix can push people to watch a certain piece of content that they release because they have so much control over what gets featured or not right I think Netflix can push anything they want. I mm-hmm. think they got like they got algorithms and like they were like the first to pioneer like uh, uh, personalized recommendations. And then on top of that, whenever you like watch a look at a series or you you scroll through the tiles, they actually give you like a, a like a, a percentage match. Like this is a ninety six percent match for you, mm-hmm. which is crazy. So uh, the the everything that everything that Netflix tracks everything you do from how long you watch something when you pause something like how long are you pausing it for like are you, it's trying to like gauge, uh, gauge if you're distracted or not or if it's if it's waning if it's waning interest on you so um, also the thumbnails are customized to you they constantly uh, you know uh, a B test thumbnails to like all their entire audience so it's all about having like a very personalized experience to get you to to watch it so that's I'm crazy. pretty sure they can they can they can literally do anything they want as far mm-hmm. as like what they put in front of you so what they serve to you interesting yeah i've actually been uh watching a lot of stuff on streaming services over the last few weeks you know especially the last week i've been i've been pretty sick so i had a lot of time to just kind of lay in bed and either play a video game or watch something it's usually easier to watch something when you're when you're sick than than play something that's more interactive and requires you to actually be thinking and putting in effort so yeah. let's see. There's a few interesting things that uh, that I watched recently. One of them was a movie called Catch Me If You Can. It's an old 2002 Leo. movie. Yeah. I've ever seen it. 
Yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. And Amy Adams. Like, there's there's quite a bit of people in the movie, actually. Uh, I mean, like, known actors in the movie. But, yeah, it was really good. And something that I tend to say is that I like pretty much anything Leonardo DiCaprio is in. I think he's such an interesting actor because he's not just a good actor, but he's also, you can tell that he's selective with what he agrees to be on. I don't remember if we had a conversation about this already, Louis, so, so if I'm being repetitive, I'm sorry, but... No, no, this is new to me. Yeah, you you look at other actors out there, like, or especially popular actors, like somebody like Dwayne Johnson, right? The Rock. And <laughs> if you look, I know it's a very different, it's weird to compare The Rock with Leo DiCaprio, but if you look at his filmography, you'll see that he's an average about three movies a year um, for the last, at least for the last decade-ish. For the same time frame, Leo was in like eight movies. But if you look at the movies The Rock is on, it's it's everything from like pure garbage up until, you know, Fast and the Furious and everything in between, <laughs> well, whatever <laughs> that all, means. Some people also say it's garbage, but, you know, yeah, I'm not. But it's person. good. It's good. It's yeah. good garbage, at least. <laughs> <laughs> and then on the other hand, like every movie Leo is in is a banger. Um, and then that's that was one of the ones uh, that I had not seen yet and you know leo was the one that actually recommended to me as we we're scrolling through netflix she was like that's a danny dan ass movie you're gonna like that and i was like okay let's watch it and, and i did like it it's really good it's based on a true story uh which i tend to like those kinds of movies um which is crazy too because the story of the movie is about this teenage He's con comic. artist yeah who uh who was able to pull all these crazy things off like like pretend to be a pilot and actually fly on planes like around the u.s and um then pretend to be a doctor and actually work at a hospital and all sorts pretend, yeah. of crazy yeah, shit lawyer. i think it was a lawyer a pilot uh -huh. and all these other stuff and yeah he was crazy good i mean that was like just like he was still he still had his like youth like his youthful look from uh from titanic mm -hmm. so he was playing like um his character he his character was at the time when he was uh he was playing like a high school student or whatever but you know obviously he's leo and he was a little bit older than a high school student but he was also like because he was dressed all preppy he pretended to be the substitute teacher and yeah all the other stuff and it, yeah. it was actually crazy to see leo in that role actually because the the character is supposed to be 17 i think in the beginning of the movie and yeah. i think leo when he shot that was in his mid-20s but he looks 17 <laughs> like he actually <laughs> looks 17 um and like then the, he also aged himself up to look older and like in, mm -hmm. in certain scenes. So he like he played a broad range of ages in that movie and it was believable the whole time. Yeah, 100 percent. But it's it's a really good movie. And then the other thing I wanted to give a shout out to here, it's, it's a little bit of a weird one because you guys are more focused on movies and live action shows. But I think it would probably be fine if I shouted out an animated show as well. Right. Go for it. OK, so there is this anime show on Netflix. It's a Netflix original. And it's called, it's very weird to uh, to say it, I think it's Kakeguri. Um, it's spelled K-A-K-E and then G-U-R-U-I or something like that. Uh, but this show is just insane. It's about these kids. It's set in a high school like a lot of anime is. But it's a high school where all the kids are obsessed with gambling. And everything in the high school is decided through gambling. And it's just about like the crazy shit that they're going to do and pull off in this high school as they're all trying to outdo each other. And they have a class system where the people that owe money are treated like a different class than the people that like have the money. And then the people that owe money, they're treated like slaves and they're trying to, you know, beat the the people that, that are winning in, through different gambling ways like playing poker and all these other things so that they can acquire the power in the school instead. 
But like any good anime, it goes completely over the top. It's like overly sexual for no reason too. Jeez. Like <laughs> it's it's insane. Um, it's it's definitely you know like an M rated type show. By the way, I think, uh, and it's just ridiculous. But it's you know the the best type of ridiculous that you get from anime, and I'm having a lot of fun watching it. It's the kind of show that I turned it on, being like, how stupid can this be? And it is stupid, but I also can't stop watching it. We're just let you know the Netflix autoplay is just taking us from one episode to the other, and we just <laughs> want to see how crazy it can get. You know, at this point, these characters are um, are gambling their life because, like, they you know they they've already went all in with their money and they can't go further, so they put their own life on the line and it just goes insane. So uh, it's all sorts of over the top, and I I'm loving it. Hmm. You know, you're not the first to talk about an anime. I talked about Attack on Titan like a week ago or two. Oh yeah, ago, that's true, you. dude. I gotta catch up on that. I um I haven't watched since the end of season two, so there's already been season three, oh. and I think the one now is season four, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah, season four is the final season, and uh, dude, I you you're missing out. The, the show is just ridiculously like c- crazy good. Like mm-hmm. it's so mind blowing, and like the, the this last episode that just uh, aired uh, yesterday um, was just one of those gut wrenching like you know like edge of your seat episodes. Uh, so much four dimensional chess was happening in that last episode a part of me almost hates myself for watching this episode or the series week to week now because i kind of wish i could binge watch the whole season right now Mm -hmm. Um, yeah that's another one i'm probably gonna end up doing that because i i watched the first season and i really liked it i think i watched it as it was coming out and then i remember that was season two i was a bit disappointed and i wonder if it was because it was very i remember it was very slow paced and and i was doing the week to week thing and i i remember i started getting kind of bored and then you know it got me back towards the end but then i finished season 2 and i i didn't finish season 2 like eager to watch the next season i was like oh okay well the show's not as good as it used to be but it's all right and then i think when season 3 came out it just kind of passed me by i i forgot about it i wasn't paying attention i wasn't watching anime anymore uh and then now season 4 is out and i really want to watch it but i just have a lot to catch up on so i I guess I'm just been kind of putting it off. You know, at this point, I might just wait till it ends and then also binge like th- season three and four together, maybe. Yeah. But no, I'm glad to hear that it's that it's good. Yeah, yeah, no, there's uh, the, the the last two episodes are, are were crazy good, and uh, um, like I just kind of hate the cliffhanger and then the waiting for the next episode. Like I'm so eager. Um, so the uh, the one thing I, I wanted to say is um, between season three and season four, they changed studios. So it's a different animation studio. Oh, interesting. It. Interesting. So I can't really, some people are, are, are criticizing or, or, you know, like, you know, say they, they can tell the difference. But for me, like overall, I can sort of tell the difference, but really it's not bothering me. It's, mm-hmm. it's generally good enough. Like, I guess they went from like a hand-drawn anime style to a CG 3D model but you know made to look like 2d kind of style nowadays everything is or i shouldn't say everything but a lot of animes like that um where if you pay attention you can tell that even if not everything is cg that either the backgrounds will be cg or the characters will be cg and the and the backgrounds will be hand-drawn there there's a lot of mix and match that i see in modern anime um it's interesting i'm not a huge fan i i used to like it better when it was all hand-drawn you know i love the the Studio Ghibli movie style or or you yeah. can tell it's like very traditional animation and it's beautiful. But I feel like it's it's just the way that they can do things cheaper. Um and faster. And faster. So as long as it doesn't look too bad, then I'm I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. Uh those are some good uh good uh shout outs for this week here. 
All right, so let's go ahead and, and get onto the news. So for the news, I just wanted to say that uh, we, I, I, when, I was, when I was doing the news roundup here, I was noticing a bit of a, a streaming war motif theme going on. So we're going to cover the streaming war here in the news. So the first thing I want to cover is uh, this was uh, originally written by the LA Times, but because LA Times has a paywall, I had to get this from AOL.com. So uh, this was a repost from uh, the, the LA Times. So here we go. This is called How Fast Do You Cancel Streaming Service uh, Services? And then it says, it's a problem for Hollywood. So this is written by uh, Ryan uh, Fodner. I think that's how you say it. Uh, but it says here, this is how the, the article reads. Say you sign up for HBO Max to watch The Flight Attendant. The eight-episode season concludes and you browse for your next binge viewing fix. Maybe you turn on Wonder Woman 1984 or rewatch The Sopranos. How long before you go to your Apple devices subscription tab and drop the $15, uh, $15 a month app? A month? A week? A day? That's the issue facing media and entertainment companies as they battle for streaming audiences uh, settle as the battle for streaming audiences settle into a new phase. During 2019 and 2020, studios uh, launched Disney+, Plus, HBO Max, Peacock, which has both paid and free tiers, Apple TV+, Discovery+, and others, all betting on original exclusive programming to draw users. The coronavirus crisis has been a boon for the streaming industry as movie theaters, concert venues, and sports arenas continue to suffer. The problem is that because they are so easy to cancel, the, uh, those services are seeing a lot of people leave after they finish watching the shows that convinced them to sign up in the first place. The phen phenomenon known in the industry as churn is growing headache in the streaming wars, according to the new report released Monday night by professional services uh, giant uh, Delo. Mm, can't say D E uh, Delotti. Let's go with that. Um, <laughs> according to Delati's survey of 1,100 people in October, 46% of respondents canceled at least one streaming service in the last six, month, six months. Uh, that's a dramatic increase from the 20% who said in a similar January survey that they had canceled a service in the previous year. Of the people surveyed who canceled a streaming service uh, subscription, 62% said they uh, did so because they finished the movie or show that they had signed up to see. So the data suggests it's becoming harder for media and entertainment companies to retain, retain subscribers as competition increases, said Kevin Westcott, uh, Delati's U.S. tech media and uh, telecom leader in an interview. With so many available, having exclusive content alone isn't enough to keep people on board. So streaming, uh, streaming subscribers reported having an, average, uh, having an average of five services in October, up from the three they reported before the COVID-19 pandemic. The surge in streaming uh, subscriptions may be uh, may seem like good news for media and entertainment companies, but it also means that people are dropping services faster as their budgets are strained. So there's a lot of uh, more information here on the article, but I'm going to stop it there. So basically, the article is is sort of positing that that people are just dropping uh, streaming services as they as they go. They come and go. Like Stranger Things drops, they subscribe for a month and then they cancel mm -hmm. it. Which is, um, I don't know, I just kind of, it's kind of counterintuitive for me, but I guess it makes sense. Because for me, like, when I want I want a streaming service, you know, I just sort of, like, subscribe to it and forget that I'm subscribed and let them, like, just bleed me dry uh, month to month. Yeah. Um, also, I'm, I'm all about having all the Infinity Stones, so I want every streaming service under the sun. So even if I don't log into it, 
But that's yeah. just me, though. Well, that's a privilege that you can partake in, in, in a way, because you're able to, uh, you, you, you know, you're, you're able to put aside that money to pay for all these streaming services month after month. But I'm sure even for you, at some point, it would get to the, like, it, you know, maybe after you've realized you've been paying for the streaming service for the last six months and you've watched nothing from it and you have no interest in anything new that's coming out, maybe even you would consider canceling it yeah. as you're, you know, going through your bills and figuring out where you can cut some money. I've, uh, I, I've signed up for a lot of different streaming services um i i used to do this a lot with hbo by the way where i would sign up to hbo just to watch the new season of game of thrones and then whenever it was done i would you know cancel my subscription because there wasn't really that much there that was interested in <laughs> we otherwise talked about that last week yeah. yeah exactly and 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 you know at the end of the day it's it's just how the market goes right like you if you want people to be subscribed to your service month after month then you gotta have enough content so that they're going to want to do that and i think some companies are going to be able to pull that off i mean netflix is the one that i never even considered canceling you know like they're in, in one way i i pay for my family's netflix and it's shared between you know me and my sibling i watch it with leah and then my siblings and my parents will all watch on the same netflix account um so it doesn't even cross my mind to cancel it because even if there's a month that I'm not watching anything on Netflix, I know they are, and I know that there will be something else on Netflix soon that I'm going to want to see it. Netflix is kind of the king of original content right now and has been for a while. And it's not just that they have a lot of original content, it's that they have good quality original content and that it's also a diverse content. So no matter what, I feel like no matter what you're into, you can get a lot of good content from Netflix. Even if you get one of the more niche things like, you know, anime, right? Like anime is Crunchyroll is the is the streaming service for it. So if you're an anime person, if you're an anime nerd, you probably want to have Crunchyroll so that you can get all the, you know, the majority of the shows that you would care about are going to be there. Um, but if you're, you know, more of like a, a an average uh, anime viewer, maybe you're you've you've seen some stuff. You you know you've seen Death Note back in the day and Cowboy Bebop, and you want to see what's new in anime. Netflix. And Netflix has plenty of, plenty of stuff. Like I said, I'm watching an anime on Netflix right now. And, you know, Demon's Lair, which I just watched not too long ago, that's on Netflix as well now. There's quite a bit of good... I don't know if Attack on Titan is there. Um, I, be- I know for a fact the first season of Attack on Titan is on Netflix. But at least it was. Whatever, that's I first got introduced to it. Whatever it is your thing is, you can get your fix on Netflix. And that's why I think it's so popular with families where you can have, you know, like... Uh, Netflix kids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like your kids may be watching like kid stuff on netflix maybe your parents are really into a certain kind of uh, like like war movies or i don't know like romantic shows or something there's plenty of that on netflix if you're really oh, into yeah. reality shows there's plenty of that too like there's there's a little bit of everything right and it's all yeah. good too like most i mean i don't want to say most of the stuff i'm sure there's a lot of garbage there but the point is like there's a lot of high quality stuff too um I don't know, man. It's just kind of how the market works. Uh, I understand why people would sign up and cancel for shows. I've done it before, like I said. And I'm now looking at, I'm making all these, I'm a big planner. So I'm making all these plans for my year. Uh, and there's there's a possibility that I might need to uh, to live a little bit more frugally and go a little bit more cheap for a few months in the middle of this year. And if that does happen, I already put together like kind of like an order of what things are go- are getting cut <laughs> uh, oh, if nice. I get into that position. And, and you, you know, one of the first things to go is Hulu, for instance, because, yeah. um, you know, I'll, I have it and I'll, I'll watch it and there's interesting stuff here and there. But, you know, I could live without Hulu for a while. Um, so I can see why people that are trying to make ends meet would look at these things, realize they're, they're spending $100 a month in these streaming services you know, some of them are kind of expensive too. I mean, like Netflix is almost twenty bucks a month now. 
Yeah. Um, and I can see why they would go, you know what? Like, you know, let me let me decrease my budget here from 100 bucks to 50 bucks. So I'm going to cut out like these five services. Yeah. Um, well, back, no, well, the worst part is like I kind of liked I kind of I, I kind of missed the days of yore, you know, where it's like uh, mm-hmm. $8 a month for Netflix. Um, and then every uh, every company was participating in it. Disney content, Warner Brothers content. Like nobody pulled their content out. It's like I liked Netflix back when it was a one stop shop for all content. And uh, and then they had to start pivoting to originals, which is fine, you know. You know they preserved their business model and everything, but like just the whole the whole cord cutting thing happened. The phenomena happened where people were canceling their cable bills because they realized that they can just get the same content for like cheaper by just streaming it. And then all of a sudden, now that everybody is uh, is you know making their own streaming services you basically are creating a new cable package a new cable bundle where you're spending the same amount as a as a cable bill but for all of the streaming services at once and stuff and it's just kind of yeah i don't know it's just kind of i wonder there's, there's give and take on that i wonder if a la carte content is gonna start coming back a little bit stronger because i've noticed that i've began buying a la carte con- content a little bit more iTunes. often now yeah. um where you know there's a lot of stuff on amazon right like amazon prime video they'll have a few things included there but the majority of the stuff there you got to pay for so i've noticed that a lot of times if i say you know this is how it usually goes for me or like half the time you know i'm opening netflix or hulu and then i just scroll until i find something i want to watch but occasionally you know half the time i go i want to watch this thing and then i go how do i stream that where where is that available so i go and i google where to stream x in the hopes that, you know, some answers are going to come up with one of the services that I currently am signed have. up for. Yeah. Um, a lot of times, though, the answer is no. It's on It's on a different service that I don't want to sign up for or it's just on not available on anything that's that's included. So I'll just go and I'll I'll pay a la carte for it on, on Amazon Prime if I really want to see it or I'll just pick something else instead. Right. So. <laughs> So it makes me yeah. wonder if it's going to get more common for people to actually do that as opposed to, you know, signing up for all these random services. Like, I feel like I kind of I would kind of refuse to uh, to sign up for a service for just one show um, unless it was Game of Thrones, you know, unless Back it was that day. Like, I remember like Breaking Bad was a huge popular show and, you know, you could actually like, you know, pay for just Breaking Bad, like on iTunes or whatever, like you would get like the season pass for mm-hmm. like as every episode releases, then you have access to it kind of thing. So, um, you know, that's for people who didn't have like a cable bill. Like I don't have cable anymore, so I don't have a- access to AMC, uh, which is the channel that, you know, housed uh, Breaking Bad and other shows like that, like The Walking Dead. Yeah, me neither. Um, so... Yeah, that's an interesting thing. Like, uh, there's just too much going on as far as streaming war. We have way more streaming uh, news to cover, but just uh, a quick milestone. This is reported by The Verge, but Netflix surpassed 200 million subscribers, but has more competition than ever in 2021. That was the headline that was on The Verge. So the current milestone is uh, now sitting at 203.6 million uh, subscribers around the world. So I believe, if I'm not mistaken, with this specific number, I think they might be in profitable territory. I didn't read the full article unfortunately so uh, i don't know what the how that arithmetic adds up here but i know for a fact that in uh, uh, last year's uh, annual report they were spending more on an, on uh, original content than they were uh, making um, in revenue for a month for their monthly subscribers and it was like it wasn't by that much it was a very small margin they were they were making they were spending more money but not by much mm-hmm. uh, when you're making billions of dollars a month kind of thing so interesting yeah i like i see in this article here Actually, this might be. I might be looking at a at another one with the with the top streamed 
um, oh, yeah. shows. This one is, yes, uh, thefool.com. Netflix just lost one billion hours worth of content, and the top stream show was The Office. It got yanked out of uh, Netflix because it's now on Peacock, so... Yeah, which I I love the office dude like like a good uh, a good amount of those hours was uh, me watching it. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm I'm looking here at the list and I think this is a very interesting list. Number 1 is The Office, then Grey's Anatomy, Criminal Minds, Ozark, NCIS, Sheets Creek, Supernatural, Lucifer, Shameless and The Crown. It's kind of interesting that uh you know, a lot of things from this list are not Netflix originals. They're shows that yes. they um they were able license. to have on. Yeah, license licenses that I could very well lose. So I wonder how many people are also watching Netflix for that stuff, which would explain why they're investing so much in original content, because then they have full control over that as opposed to, you know, the people that are hooked on Grey's Anatomy, if that moves to a different streaming service, then it's it's very possible that those people may, you know, cancel Netflix and sign up for the other streaming service instead. Um, and then another thing interesting in this list as well is that they have them ordered by minutes uh, streamed in millions yes, of minutes by the streamed. Millions, yeah. But some of these shows have a lot more episodes and a lot more time than some of these other shows. So, for instance, the fact that Lucifer is so high when I think that's only three episodes. Three um, seasons. It's pretty. Are you sure? I think it's just three episodes of uh, like an hour and a half each. Um, kind of like I, uh, Sherlock, but Sherlock has multiple seasons now. I believe Lucifer was an NBC show with like, you know, the drama with like every, and it got revived for Netflix for the fifth season, if I'm not mistaken, but yeah. Mm-hmm. I, we might want to look into that. I, I, I might be getting it confused with something else then. Like, wasn't there like a Dracula show? Maybe I'm getting confused with that, but um, anyway, like Supernatural on the other hand has like the 15 oh, uh, 12, seasons. 13 seasons, yeah. With like 20 episodes each, so there's like a lot of content there. Um. But anyway, I kind of derailed the conversation a little bit. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, the whole purpose of this article that I pulled up here was just like the fact that uh, so, so many of these shows got yeeted off the the platform, and unfortunately, since they're no longer available to stream on the show uh, on the platform, that's literally equates to a billion hours worth of content that they are not streaming this year, uh, or that they could have projected to stream again this year. If because you know, with the, something like the the Office, I believe that that's more considered evergreen content. You can mm-hmm. never get tired of it. Just like Friends was also at the top of the list before it got yeeted off to HBO Max. So, yeah, it's kind of crazy. So I just, I just, again, I just kind of wish that Netflix was just like the one-stop shop. You know, it's kind of losing that luster for me. And uh, I'm yeah. glad that my Netflix backlog is as big as it is, uh, that I don't have to worry about canceling it because I know I have something to always that I need to watch, that I've been wanting to watch or whatever. So Yeah, I, I don't mind signing up for multiple streaming services as long as it's not like... 10 of them <laughs> you know what i mean like i'll have i'll have three or four subscriptions and then i'll buy things on the cart if i want things that are outside of that and just to correct myself i was thinking of dracula not lucifer mm. yeah so dracula is a show on netflix that only has three episodes um all right yeah. some some more streaming uh some more streaming news uh, a harry potter tv series might come to hbo max because original ideas are dead and that's the title <laughs> <laughs> vulture.com man they are they are some vultures uh, yeah, Vulture.com, and this is written by uh, Devin Ivey. Uh, so a mere 10 years after the final Harry Potter m- movie cast a spell on the big screen, HBO Max wants to expecto patronum some profits for itself. Oh, I the- see what they did there. <laughs> the Hollywood Reporter reports that the streaming service is in early development to adapt J.K. Rowling's seven fantasy novels into a live-action television series with numerous writers and executives 
quote, exploring various ideas that would bring the beloved property to television, close quote. The Hollywood Reporter stresses that nothing is official and the adaptation hasn't even reached a development stage. So we don't know, say, if it would be a one book per season type of thing, a miniseries or something else entirely, like Amazon's Lord of the Rings. Uh, sources say broad ideas have been discussed as part of the early stage exp uh, exploratory meetings. The outlet stated, adding that it's a top priority for HBO Max. Should this Harry Potter series come to fruition, it would join current spinoff films Fantastic Beasts within the franchise, which will be returning with 100% less Johnny Depp. And yet, our calls for a gritty Hedwig origin story keeps going unanswered. And there was an update to the article. Uh, in a statement to Vulture, HBO Max has denied a television adaptation is on the way. Quote, there are no Harry Potter series uh, in development. Close quote it reads um at the studio or on the platform uh, on the streaming platform we will continue to advocate for the headweek series at the appropriate time says the article uh so yeah this uh these guys have a lot of snark in their writing i i do appreciate that we don't really get a lot of that in the in the game side of things um but yeah i don't know i never heard of vulture until this uh, until this article so um as far as the story itself goes um yeah i just i don't i am I don't necessarily uh, buy that uh, that the denial that Warner Brothers said. You know, I think that executives are always looking for or cash cows, and um, I think that idea might have been thrown around. Now, maybe you know it hasn't. You know, it's still being tossed in the air and it's still being discussed. But I can sort of believe uh, in the sense that you know, there's obviously maybe not any developments because if there was, we would have. You know, the news cycle would have been on it. But in the sense that you know, if it's being considered, I highly believe it, and I think that they're probably gonna you know look for ways to beef up hbo max as a streaming service so this would definitely be an answer to amazon prime's lord of the rings and you know everything that disney plus is on offer so i i, I believe it too i think that i could see why they would maybe not want to announce this right now considering the bad pr that jk rowling has been getting for a while now <laughs> So I could see them wanting to like distance themselves from that and go like, well, you know, that Harry Potter thing, let's wait like a year before we talk about it <laughs> um, so that, you know, people forget or don't think about it anymore and, and things change and, you know, who knows what will be happening then. But I can maybe see that explaining why they would uh, they would deny it for now. Um, I could also see that being enough for them to call out the whole project altogether because, you know, these companies don't want to really invest in these things unless they know that it's going to give them a good rap and not a, not a bad rap with the, with the fans and everybody else. Now, the interesting thing is I feel like it could be cool to see uh, a Harry Potter TV show. I don't know if I would want to see the same content from the movies, though, which is what this article leads us to believe. Uh, that they would be adapting the same, you know, seven movies. I would more, I think I would more be interested in maybe an original story that's set in the same universe, maybe something set in the past or something set in the future or, you know, something ooh, along those lines. Ooh. I would love to see like uh, Daniel Radcliffe and like and Emma Watson come back and like play older versions of their characters, like in the epilogue. Exactly. Like ooh. something like that could be really cool. I just doing the same thing again, but on TV show format, I, I have a hard time believing how that would be, you know, 
better or add to what we already have. I understand that a lot of things from the books were missed from the movie, so it's always a chance to correct that, right? So, um, you know, I think about, you know, in the anime realm, how they did Fullmetal Alchemist back in 2003, and then they redid it in, I think it was like 2010. And the new version actually ended up becoming kind of the canon version because they included everything from the manga in it and then you know the budget was was higher and it's just it's just higher quality and i wonder if 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 they did do this if it could end up becoming a situation like that where the the harry potter tv show becomes the actual canon harry potter live action as opposed to the as opposed to the movies in the future um but yeah i don't know we'll we'll see what happens there i i I get a little bit of the snark from the from the author too like do we really need a (laughs) <laughs> Harry Potter again, like the same story again in a TV show for Matt. So yeah, and I get movies it. aren't exactly dated either. Like I feel like the special effects hold up. Like uh, I haven't seen like the like the original one, like you know the two thousand and one movie. But I don't, I don't think it's gonna be like oh my god, it's unwatchable. You know, so a hundred percent. Uh, but you know, hey, um, I would be along for the ride. I think I would watch it. I think it would be a situation where it's like you know they can really like how do I put it like dig deep or you know like get into the minutiae of like you know daily life or whatever for the characters whereas Mm -hmm. you know a movie just sort of gives you like the cliff notes you know where i can just see like where every episode is a chapter kind of situation or or several chapters gives you a lot of uh a lot of content that way and i would uh i would appreciate it i i'm a big harry potter fan i would love uh another go around because i only read the first four books i never i read the five six and seven which were like the better ones from my understanding uh but my mom told me that harry potter was the devil so i couldn't read it anymore uh, but yeah, all right, let's go ahead and move on. Uh, next up is uh, Christopher Nolan. So WB and Christopher Nolan, uh, it says here on the, tar- on the article here, this comes from the nerdy.com. It says Christopher Nolan may not return to Warner Brothers for the next film. So Christopher Nolan may uh, be parting ways with Warner Brothers for his next film over the increased emphasis on streaming. As the coronavirus pandemic has continued to rage on, studios have had uh, to make uh, touch decisions about the release of future films. Warner Brothers went further than any other studio by deciding that all of its releases in 2021 will debut on HBO Max the same day they hit theaters. And this started with Wonder Woman 84. Uh, This has led to some uh, directors stating how displeased they are with that concept. And now it seems that it may send uh, some of them walking. According to an article from the Wall Street Journal, uh, Christopher Nolan may be one of those to end the relationship with the studio. Uh, Most uh, recently responsible for Tenet from the studio and the previously uh, The Dark Knight trilogy, Nolan is very much a believer in the theatrical releases and has made his unhappiness with the streaming plan known. According to sources familiar, familiar with the matter, Nolan is indeed looking to part ways with the stu- his longtime studio of choice over the situation. While no other studio has copied Warner Brothers as of yet, it seems inevitable that streaming is becoming more and more important component of a film's release. And thanks to the coronavirus, many movies have been sold off to streaming companies. As we wait to see uh, what the long-term fallout of the pandemic is when it, is, uh, when it comes to the movie theaters, Nolan may find himself in a tough spot when it comes to finding a new home that guarantees him only a theatrical release to kick off a project. As of right now, Nolan's next project has not been announced. 
So I'm going to tell you this right now. Christopher Nolan is like this legendary director. He's made, you know, like S plus, you know, uh, A plus movies and uh, hit after hit after hit. You know, he did the Dark Knight trilogy. He did Memento. He did The Prestige. He did Interstellar. You know, he's just, you know, he's just so good. He's an he's an auteur. Um, he's constantly he's constantly looking to one up himself and he is definitely much he's made it very publicly known that he believes his movies should be seen on the big screen and that watching them at home on your tv or on your phone or on your tablet is not you're, you're it's to him you're doing it wrong so uh christopher nolan obviously wants to make sure that he gets a contract with the studio that knows will uh will uh honor theatrical e- exhibition and uh he believes that what warner brothers did to their partners with like with legendary and all the other movies that are coming out on day and date with hbo max was a huge blow to them and you know directors also get back in points for like the performance and stuff like that so it may be a bit of a money situation as well but basically um i think first and foremost i think he i think he's standing more by principles so i really wouldn't uh, be shocked if if nolan who has made films with with warner brothers for like the last 20 years suddenly isn't going to anymore which would be sad but i wouldn't be shocked either you know i uh i might sound a little bit salty but i think he, he needs to grow up a little bit <laughs> and 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 here's I, I did not see that one coming. Okay, all right. <laughs> Here, I'm not about he's an artist. Here's what I think. I, yeah. I understand. I think you know well, I think Christopher Nolan makes great movies. I think he's a great director. But I'm not, you know, I'm not one of those stands that think, you know, like he's the greatest of all time or anything like that. I, I think I haven't seen all of his movies. I've seen mostly the more recent ones, like like since like Dark Knight trilogy and everything since. Um and I think they're all very good. And I understand why he thinks that the the proper way to re- to see the movies is in the theaters. I am a fan of the theater experience. I am someone that likes it and that misses it a lot uh, during this time frame that I haven't been able to do that as often as or at all. But, you know, I used to do it kind of often back in the day. So I understand that part of it. But, you know, at the end of the day, people will see your movies on TVs eventually anyway. You know, people will rent it. People will see it in a streaming service. People will see it in the back of a if a flight, you know, like of the of the somebody's seat on a flight. <laughs> like at one point or another, everybody will watch the movies that way anyway. In the long run, I bet more people end up seeing movies that way than those who did, you know, during the first uh, the, well, during the few months that the movie was even available in the theaters to begin with. And I think that we're just living in unusual circumstances. Everybody has been forced to adapt in some way. Nobody's just doing business as usual. Even if you are, you've had to at least change things a little bit. We've had to change things for the safety of everybody. You know, I used to work in an office. I haven't worked in an office since March 2020. It's it's soon going to be a year since I've worked in an office. And I, I don't like working from home. I like working in an office so much better. But, you know, it's something that I had to do for for the greater good. And we all had to do make those compromises. You know, a lot of people have lost their jobs, which sucks. Um, And I feel like this what's happening right now is because of the pandemic is because we know that people can go to the movie theater. So many of them are closed. So many cities don't allow people to do that. And I mean, honestly, if you put your movie in the movie theaters, it's like, I don't know. I feel like he's almost coming across kind of childish because it's like he's childish is not the word but more like out of touch with the current situation that that the whole world is is going through right now and Mm. it might just come down to money it might just be that he's not going to make as much money that way um but i don't know man like he's christopher fucking nola i think he 
you could still make a lot of money from it probably <laughs> you know it's kind of funny as like, i didn't ex- i did not expect you to do this hot take because like, <laughs> i was just so much all about this echo chamber and like oh the the artist in me and all that stuff like that and mm-hmm. i guess i i can i definitely understand um i, I just i just think that like the uh, the coronavirus pandemic sort of um added fuel to the fire i think that he he's he believe he shoots his movies in film he doesn't shoot on digital cameras by the way mm-hmm. um he even shoots his action sequences in in imax cameras which is a, like a whole different format and everything like that so i think you know i've seen a i've seen a documentary where christopher nolan was featured in it heavily uh called side by side and it was about film versus digital so i know i know what like how much passion these guys feel about their craft and uh, i think when it comes to exhibition i you know obviously movie theaters are only you know exhibiting movies for like 90 days at most usually for Mm -hmm. first run and i think that he wants to see his premieres that way and i think obviously it benefits him you know financially as well but i don't know like listen i understand that i just feel like if that's the case just delay the movie right like yeah I like. Which I think he's might he might want to do that. Which yeah. I think I think he wants to sign up with the studio that does that. But you know, hey, um, you know, it's to each their own kind of thing. I think with uh, he's Christopher Nolan saw what what happened with his with his fellow directors and producers uh, that that he the same company he works for, and he was maybe he wants to like sort of uh, stand in solidarity with them. Who knows? But yeah. All right. Well, that's that was quite a that was quite a story right there. <laughs> well, here's uh, next. Let's go. Wait, on. wait. Before, sorry, I, I don't. Uh, before you move on, I just want to ask okay. you a question. It's like What's if up? we did live in a future where movies came out day and day in the theater and in streaming services or a la carte to purchase to watch on your TV or whatever, um, would you still go to the theaters? I would, but only if it was a movie like that I would really want to watch in, on on big theaters, like a mm-hmm. like a bigger action blockbuster movie. So like if, the, if I'm talking like Black Widow or Fast or you know uh, other blockbuster movies, I would probably want to watch it in the big screen. But if it's like a like a I don't know a comedy or like a run of the mill drama or whatever or something that doesn't really have like a whole lot of I don't know visuals or sound or you know that kind of stuff then i'd probably just watch it streaming a la carte you know i i would too you know i would want to go to the theaters for you know the big movies that i'm excited about which are the ones that i usually go to the theater for anyway otherwise a lot of times i'll just wait um so i just think that they're not necessarily self-exclusive either where you could potentially have a movie that's out on services and on the theaters at the same time and the theater become more of like a premium experience. You know what I mean? Like maybe a boutique. Yeah. yeah, like a boutique thing. I think it definitely changes the market a lot in the future. But you know, that's a whole uh, discussion. I just think it's interesting well, to think about. The movie theater industry wouldn't be sustainable at that point. I mean, that's a whole different kind of worms that we're gonna like. I don't want to necessarily fall down, but uh, movie theaters it's depend on exclusivity. And when you put out a movie, another movie digitally, um, because it's a digital copy, it can be easily ripped and uh, pirated much easier. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you have a pirated copy of a movie that's play- playing only theatrically, it's usually like a, sh- a cam footage, which is inferior. So, yeah. That's a whole, yeah, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> that's a whole different uh, discussion there. That's probably a topic of the show in and of itself, right there. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, so the next uh, story up on the on the dock here is uh, the Willy Wonka prequel finally has a release date. This is written by Christine Cannon at uh, scarymommy.com. Again, I'm getting these finding these weird uh, websites on Google searches <laughs> for these headlines. Um, that's some inside baseball for you guys. Uh, so at the helm, uh, our Paddington director. Uh, 
Paul King and Harry Potter producer David Hyman. Uh, Fifty years after Gene Wilder portray- uh, portrayed the eccentric owner of a chocolate uh, factor, I think it says a bit of a chocolate factory. Work. I don't know. <sighs> it was meant All to right, be factory. Wonka. It was. Uh, it's a typo. Yeah, of a chocolate factory, Willy Wonka in the 1971 film. Uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, Warner Brothers has finally set the date for Wonka, a prequel to uh, Roald Dahl's 1964 book, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Slated for a 2023 release, March 17th, 2023 to be exact, Wonka will be an origin story focused on a young Willy Wonka and his adventures prior to opening the world's most famous chocolate factory. Directing uh, the highly anticipated, uh, anticipated film is Paddington director Paul King. Producing the film is David Hyman, who produced all eight Harry Potter films. And writing the film is Simon Rich, whose latest works include the Seth Rogen's HBO Max film, An American Pickle. While casting for the movie has yet to begin, rumors are already uh, smiling regarding who will play the role of the chocolatier, with Timothy Chalamet and Tom Holland (laughs) reportedly leading the pack. According to Collider, both young actors appear to have gaps in their schedule. Previously in 2016, Ryan Gosling, Donald Glover, and Ezra Miller, um, Ezra Miller were in the running to play the character. We, for one, have to agree with the with casting a female Wonka. Okay, that's an interesting take by the article. But yeah, so uh, that's an interesting. Uh, there's a lot of uh, creative talent going on here. Uh, I, I have not watched either of the two Paddington films, but Paul King directed both of them, and apparently, uh, from what I hear, is that Paddington is actually a good movie. Now, the only reason why I never watched it is because it's a, it was a kids movie, and it's I'm not the demograph, but apparently, I guess adults liked it too. Uh, so between the director, apparently he might have the chops to take on a zany, wonky character with Willy Wonka, and then you got a, I guess I, this I never heard of this writer, but apparently he's got some uh, some flex as well on his resume. So uh, I'm actually more uh, more um, uh, like impressed by the rumors of either Timothy Chalamet and Tom Holland. Obviously, like you know, they're the hotness right now. So um, I, Timothy, I think Timothy Chalamet, if I'm not mistaken, he's an Academy Award nominee. So um, if I, I could be wrong about that, I should Google that. Take it over, Dan. I don't I don't have much to say other than to say that this uh, this interests me. You know, it's just another one of those where, you know, grabbing something that's popular and that people like and, and let's try to milk it some more and, and make it into <laughs> some more uh, <laughs> some more stuff. Right. I uh, I think, you know, the original um, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory movie was a really good movie. It is a classic. It is probably one of the best movies of all time, even though there's been it's been a while since I since I last watched it. And I I watched the, the one with Johnny Depp as well. And at the time, I liked that one, too. But I was also a kid when I watched it. And I haven't watched it since. Um, mm. So I, I hear that it's, you know, it's it's not nearly as good. And, and, and there's a lot of issues with it. But I don't know, man, like how often were you asking yourself, oh, I wonder where Willy Wonka came from? You know, I want to see his backstory. <laughs> it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, clearly nobody's really asking for this. I wonder, though, if, you know, it could it, it could impress us. Maybe it could turn out to be good. Um, it would be interesting to see Tom Holland on the, on the role because I, I know Tom Holland has been in a lot of things recently, but I don't think I've actually watched him on anything other than Spider-Man. So, really? Wow. Yeah. Does he have Does he have the acting chops to pull pull off a character like Willy Wonka? Because it's not it's not an easy character to pull off. Well, I've seen him in other stuff, and I can tell you he's definitely a good dramatic actor. 
Um, mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if, like, the thing about the, the Wonka characters, I think I, I kind of sort of I, I identify or associate him with, like, a Johnny Depp type, not, obviously not because of the, not just because of the Johnny Depp movie, but but also just in the sense of, you know, he's, he's very eccentric and very out there and, like, uh, like kind of like Captain Jack Sparrow, and he's got his like little mannerism and his eye movement kind of thing, very theatrical. And I don't, I don't see Tom Holland pulling off that zany like you know movement and like you know I don't know. Uh, maybe he can, obviously, but you know he's flexed pretty hard with a lot of movies. Uh, by the way, Timothy Chalamet is indeed an Oscar nominee. He was nominated uh, for uh, Best Actor uh, for the movie Call Me by Your Name in uh in 2017 mm, so, i still gotta yes. watch that uh but yeah no like you're right you're you are 100 you are you know what i just gotta tell you dan you are on the money when it comes to your 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 criticisms and your critiques on these, <laughs> on these stories because you know what hollywood is a bit of a, a grab bag when it comes to like let's let's find something old and make it new again mm-hmm. which is a very i don't know cynical of you and also uh, i don't know versus me i'm very much more like let's let me eat this up as fast as i can you know mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah but yeah. it's interesting though you know on the other end it's like everybody is always complaining about how much we reuse the same ips and we don't make uh you know any new ips and then you ask them well what have you seen in the theaters over the last year and and pretty much everything <laughs> they're gonna name are the are the remakes and the sequels and the marvel movies and everything else um and and it's not yeah. that there's not like any new stuff coming out it's just that i feel like a lot of times they do and nobody watches them so you know cut like studios that are all about, you know, these these big studios that are all about risk management and, you know, putting the money into something that's going to bring the money back. They go like, well, why would we put money into this unknown story that nobody is guaranteed to actually be interested in seeing if we make like a a Willy Wonka thing or a Harry Potter thing or, you know, another Marvel (laughs) thing that, you know, everybody's going to swarm. And it's kind of like, I feel like in a way, it's like we all like to complain about it, but we're also all the cause as well, right? Exactly. But anyway, I mean, it might be good. We'll see. Um, yeah, I, I, would, I would be surprised if uh, if Tom Holland was uh, was able to to pull it off, but n- not in a, in a negative way. Like I like I think it would be really cool if he did. It would it would definitely show a different side of his acting. Yes. Um, by the way, you can actually watch a, a a young Tom Holland who's like I don't know, eleven, twelve years old, maybe in on Netflix right now. Um, there was a uh, a separate side note. Uh, was a uh, what was that name of that movie called? Uh, let me hear. So Tom Holland, uh, Naomi Watts. I'm just gonna go do a quick Google here, uh, like live on the spot here. Um, it is called The Impossible. That's what it's called. It came out in 2012. Tom Holland was a, a child actor, and uh, damn, he can act. Like I was like I was like uh, like fighting back some tears in a certain on a certain scene with featuring mm-hmm. Tom Holland. Um it was a really good movie and uh definitely worth a check out. It's a separate recommendation from Netflix and Chill, but you can definitely watch it on Netflix. I watched it uh about a month ago. So uh yeah, just completely off topic. All right, next up. Uh Paramount turned down off uh turned down offers from streamers to buy Top Gun Maverick. This is comes from uh, yahoo.com. This is written by L- Ryan Latanzio. So uh, Paramount Pictures has spent uh, much of the pandemic selling off its major titles to the big streamers, including Amazon Studios and Netflix. In 2020 alone, Paramount sold films including Aaron Sorkin's Oscar contender The Trial of the Chicago 7 to Netflix, as well as Michael Showalter's action comedy The Lovebirds. 
Meanwhile, Paramount sold the rights to Tom Clancy's thriller Without Remorse, starring Michael B. Jordan, as well as Eddie Murphy's sequel, Coming to America, the second movie, uh, Coming to America 2, uh, to Amazon Prime. Uh, Paramount also shuttled the United, uh, verse, the United States versus Billie Holiday to Hulu at the last minute. But two of the biggest titles still on Paramount's slate for 2021 are Top Gun Maverick, set for a July 2nd release after being reportedly postponed due to uh, due first to post-production issues and then the pandemic, and the seventh Mission Impossible film scheduled for November 19th. According to a recent report um, out of the Wall Street Journal, both Netflix and Apple courted Paramount Pictures to buy Top Gun Maverick. And it says in a quote here, Netflix and Apple inquired if Paramount Pictures would be willing to sell the highly anticipated sequel to Top Gun Maverick, starring Tom Cruise, uh, which had been due to open in theaters last summer. Based on the strength of the film's perceived box office prospects, the studio refused to consider the offer, according to people familiar with the matter. So far, Top Gun Maverick is set to debut in theaters this July. So um, I'm going to stop it there. Um, it's really interesting because I like how Paramount's, uh, you know, they got their contract with Tom Cruise and Stan his studio company. And I like how their two biggest tent poles are Tom Cruise films. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Mission Impossible is a big franchise and uh, Top Gun has been, you know, dormant since like the 80s and stuff. So um, I know I was uh, definitely eager to see the movie when I saw the trailer for Top Gun Maverick uh, way back when uh, in the in the before times. So. Um, yeah, I just, I'm surprised. Uh, well, actually, I know, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised and I'm also not surprised at the same time, uh, simply because those two movies are going to definitely, they're probably going to be billion dollar films in a non-pandemic world. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I know that they are going to be tent poles for Paramount and their bottom line, but I'm also surprised in the sense of, you know, they could have taken the guaranteed money if they got a big paycheck from Netflix, like a big 200, $300 million dollar bid for the license or whatever then they could have you know you know recouped maybe not their cost maybe possibly their costs but we're not making a profit you know just sort of like uh i don't know write it off i just kind of seems like i'm not a i'm not a betting man you know so i would want to take what i know what like what's in the hand and like the, you know mm-hmm. something, there's, like a, there's like a phrase for that yeah like a, uh, a, yeah. a bird on the hand or two flying i think that's how we yeah. say it in brazil at least um something like that yeah it's interesting i think at the end of the day it's all about the money, right? I think that if Netflix offered enough money, then they they would have been able to to get that. But ultimately, you know, they're counting on whatever their box office prospects will be. But I wonder if they're considering... I wonder if those prospects are based on numbers pre-pandemic or numbers post-pandemic. Yeah. Because that's the other thing, too. It's like, hey, you really want to put your movie in the theaters? Go for it. But I guarantee they're not going to make as much money as they expect to. You know, like I guarantee Tenet did not make as much money from the movie theaters as was expected because they're just, you know, California has no movie theaters open. And there's so many people there that would have otherwise, you know, be, be front and center to to watch that movie. So I and, and that, you know, even the, if the movie theaters were open, to be fair, like most people would not want to go because they would not want to take that risk. So I feel like july this year you know i would hope that things are much better but you know if you're being realistic and looking at the cars and the numbers and how the vaccine rollout has been so far you know it's probable i I would say that by july it's probable that a lot of movie theaters will be open but it's also probable that there'll be a limited capacity that 
you know, most people are going to hold off and not want to go or not feel comfortable with going yet. Maybe people that have already been vaccinated will be more willing to, but other people will not. So it's not going to be the same as, as it would have been otherwise. So we don't know. They, they could be making a mistake there. I, I, I kind of feel like, you know, if, if I had a movie that was slated to come out in theaters this year, um, I feel like as much as that would probably hurt, like I would just push it to next year. Or I would consider mm. one of those options where you're selling it to a streaming service and stuff. Yeah. Well, also, the thing about movies is, like, uh, movies are – they are not exactly, like, financed, uh, you know, with the, 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 the vaults of money that these studios have. They are, you know, they are, there's loans taken out on these uh, – on these movies uh, to make these productions happen. And um, they have to get there. They are, they, they make these plans, you know, with certain projected release dates or release windows and stuff like that. So they, they know when they can start, you know, paying on these debts and stuff. So um, maybe it might be a situation where, you know, you can't exactly delay something indefinitely, especially projects these big, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so, you know, the, the, the bill comes due at some point, you know, that kind of situation. Um, as far as the Netflix situation, as from Netflix perspective, they want to get that, the, the license for that or the bid for it, but at the cheapest possible they can, because if you go too high, you're over, you're going to number one, you're going to go over budget for how much you've allotted for, for, uh, original spending. And also, uh, two, even if you were to say, you know, get the deal for $200 million, there is no way, like, I don't, it's not a sustainable model. You can't do that for everything. Mm-hmm. $200 million for one movie, you're not going to get, you're not going to be able to get subscriptions coming your way because of Top Gun Maverick, you know, or I, that's just me just speculating that, but I'm pretty sure that's a true statement. So fair enough. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move on to the extra news. So for the extra news, it's uh, uh, the the motif that the 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 motif of uh, of the regular news segment was the streaming wars. The motif of extra news is uh, coronavirus watch. Which <laughs> if you've uh, if you've uh, listened to Ready Press Play, you'll get that inside joke. Uh, so no time to die delayed to October. A Quiet Place 2, delayed to September. Morbius and Uncharted movie moved to 2022, along with a bunch of other Sony movies. And lastly, uh, Ian McShane says that John Wick's 4 and 5 could film this year back-to-back. So what do you think of uh, the coronavirus delays and stuff that's got happening here? Obviously, it makes sense. These movies were supposed to be April, you know, movies, and now they're fall movies. So I think it's understandable. Like, at the end of the day... You know, we're all excited. We want to go to the movie theater. And all of us, you know, cinephiles and stuff. We want to go to the movie theater and watch these movies. Uh, and we miss it. But, you know, in, in a lot of places in the U.S. and around the world, that's not even a a legal possibility or just uh, something you can do. And in other places, even if it's something you can do, it's probably something you don't want to do right now. So I think it's understandable. Um, I think, you know, Delaying them to September, October makes sense. I think maybe at that point, it's more likely that we're going to be able to have a a, uh, a full release or, or limited capacity theaters and a lot more people will be vaccinated. We'll see how it goes. I mean, even July at the end of the day that we we're just talking about, you know, I, I really do fucking hope that we're in a much better position then. Um, but only time will tell, right? And I wouldn't be surprised if it's all... A lot of these movies get delayed again, and a lot more movies will get delayed over the next few months, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I wonder how many of these movies are actually 2021 movies, and also, like, in general, like, 
Oh, man, the, the the movie calendar is actually getting really crowded. Um, I was just looking at like how 2021 is shaping up and how 22 is shaking up. And it's like, man, we're going to have to start talking about 2023 in general, obviously with the Wonka story, but just in general, like all these movies mm-hmm. uh, getting delayed and uh, man. Or, or am, 2022 uh, very... will just be the best year ever for, for movies, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. You're right. That's, that's one way to look at it. It's like <laughs> a glass half full kind of situation. Um, all right. Well, let's go ahead and get to check this out. Dan, I got to tell you right now, there we may have been blessed yesterday with the best trailer to ever trailer. You know, I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually just pulled it up right now and I'm watching it right uh, now as you speak. But I've uh, seen a lot of shots from it on uh, on social media. So Godzilla vs. Kong trailer uh, has dropped, and I put it in, check this out. And uh, if you haven't already, definitely check it out. It's definitely a good uh, a good uh, hype-inducing trailer. Like, I am ready. Like, this is uh, coming out in March, and I haven't decided how I'm going to watch the movie. I said about, we talked about, uh, like, you know, when a movie comes out, both day and date on streaming and, uh, and movies. You know, Wonder Woman 84, I watched it on streaming uh, with HBO Max. Uh, this one, I am, like torn because i like the convenience of watching something in the comfort of my own home uh but also like just the visuals and how much is on display here and i feel like a big screen and a big sound system would really enhance the experience for this uh this big kaiju movie monster mashup yeah you know brawl out it's kind of like a these movies are kind of like michael bay movies right where it's like you really <laughs> want to see them in the theaters otherwise it's like they're like a 10 out of 10 in theaters and like a 5 out of 10 when you watch it at your house <laughs> um <laughs> i mean i'm not necessarily saying this will be a you know a bad movie that i you know i have i don't really know we haven't seen the movie yet but i i understand your point where it's just like the the theater experience really enhances the experience, especially for movies like this, because they're all about the spectacle. They're a lot more about the spectacle than they are about the the story. Right. Damn, this looks cool. There's like a neon city there that like that just looks really badass and just all the effects like the CGI on this is top notch. Yeah, this oh is God. a really when, cool when, movie when... to see for when Kong punched Godzilla in the face, I was like, this is, th- this movie's on. Like, <laughs> I, I just, this movie just went up on the hype, like the hype. We talked about like the most anticipated films, like it didn't make my top five, but now it's something got bumped off. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, at the, like last week when we did the, like our, our, our top five most anticipated, we had no marketing material, zero marketing material. We just had a title. So it's like, uh, they didn't show their hand, but. I'm glad I'm glad I don't have to wait that long. So this movie is about two months away from from dropping. So, yeah, good stuff. All right, let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and uh, ooh, no, not at that. Let's go ahead and uh, get to uh, Netflix and chill. So for Netflix and chill, we're gonna run down the top ten uh, uh, the top ten things that are streaming on Netflix, and we're gonna go into some recommendations for you know what we want to throw out there. Uh, for so for the top ten, we're gonna go ahead and hit to number one. It's called Fate, uh, the Wait the Winks Saga. It's some kind of a series. Uh, looks like it looks kind of young adult ish. I can't really tell from just like the thumbnail. Number two is Homefront, which is a Jason Statham movie. Uh, an older Jason Statham movie. Somehow it just hit became popular out of nowhere. 
Uh, number three is Bridgerton, and number four is Night Stalker, The Hunts for a Serial Killer. Number five is The White Tiger. Number six is Cutthroat City. Number seven is Henry Danger. Number eight is Bling Empire. Number nine is Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous, which is like a, a kid animated show. Uh, number 10 is The Vanished. Now, I just got to say, like, I feel like when it comes to these Netflix uh, lists and stuff like that, number one, it's all over the place. But number two, I feel like I can just make up words and I will believe that they are like on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. It almost looks like you could do like a like a random uh, title generator or something and that it would come up with most of those. Um, you know what's kind of funny is like I feel like I can do that thing where it's like I can actually make up a title and throw it on there, and then I can be like at the end of our segment I'd be like, "Psych, I got you." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, this is even yeah, a real definitely. thing. Um, that that might even be a fun like little game to play on this show. Maybe it's like an extra segment or something where you read like five different titles and you got to figure out which one is uh, not on Netflix. <laughs> but uh, so, do, have you never watched the the Winx uh, cartoon? I think it was called the Winx Club nope never heard of it yeah so that was like um well it, it, it probably makes sense that that you wouldn't have watched it because i think it was more like focused at girls but it was a i think it was a cartoon network or nickelodeon show or something um a few years back and it was pretty popular and i, I remember watching a few episodes of it um and it was these you know fairy girls with different superpowers like you know i i can't remember it too much so and they made a live action adaptation of that into, you know, a live action TV show. I don't know if there was more to it. Maybe it was like a comic book before it was the cartoon. I just I just knew it from the cartoon. And hmm. I, I'm very shocked to see it at number one because I would have thought it was just one of those things <laughs> that, you know, that nobody's watching. But I guess, you know, I guess people are watching it. And you know what? I actually think I even saw some people say on my social media feed that it's actually good. Um, which is, which I'm surprised about as well. <laughs> so, oh my God. um, yeah, interesting to see it up there, but you know, none of these things are really on my radar. Um, so I don't really have much to comment otherwise. Yeah. I want to see Homefront. I heard it was good. Like I, I, it was, I think that movie like played in movie theaters when I was working at the movies. I never actually watched it. Um, the, the Night Stalker, the hunt for a serial killer. I'm all about like, uh, those, like making a murder, like do those documentaries and stuff like that. I really am into like those crime shows, like the, uh, like it's like, cold case files and stuff like that on that one network that used to air that all the time so that's pretty much up my alley and um i don't know what i'll be watching uh this week here uh but as far as recommendations i just wanted to throw out a recommendation here um and i use netflix and chill segment as well as to to shout out one thing that i want to recommend to the audience and this is uh, my recommendation this week you can uh stream this right now on hbo max uh it's the looney tunes um, surprisingly, hmm. uh, I talked about last week's uh, recommendation about uh, Animaniacs on Hulu and how they got modernized and revived. Um, so I just wanted to say that um, the same thing can also be said and uh, can be true for the Looney Tunes. They got um, uh, an, the Looney Tunes got a new a new season or a new uh, yeah like a new revival uh, specifically for HBO Max and it's exclusive there. And uh, the animation style is very modern and it's clean and it's, you know and it's got it's got that same aesthetic, so it definitely fits in with those older the older shows. Um, the jokes are very modern. They made a Donald Trump joke, which everyone does these days, I guess, <laughs> to be cool and hip. Uh, 
but for me, the show hits, and uh, I think um, the, the show, I don't know, like, the thing about watching these cartoons, like, these, like you know, Animaniacs and Looney Tunes as an adult is, you know, I don't know, like, I, it just kind of seems like the show is now made by the people my age, like millennials my age who grew up on it are now making the show. Yeah. And it kind of like, I, I don't know, like does, is the show targeting kids today or is it targeting me? Uh, I don't know, but the, I like it. The answer so. is probably both. I think it's, you know, they, they want to, they want to get the new kids, but they, they also know that there's probably a lot of uh, parents that grew up with the older Lo- Looney Tunes that would be watching them with their kids now. I mean, Looney Tunes are so old that it could be even be, you know, evergreen. The, yeah. the grandparents and, um so i think it's a little bit of both um but yeah it's cool that it's cool that you're enjoying that i think my shout out i don't i realize i don't have any shout out for something that's new or that's being recently added to the streaming services uh and i could shout out the things that i've said earlier in the show but in order not to just anything like as long as like the the whole purpose of the segment is it's like if it's on a streaming service and you can stream it right now you get one shout out. so yeah in in order not to repeat myself i want to give a shout out to borat 2 which i don't remember the full name of the movie but it's the sequel to uh to borat from i think 2005 and this one came out earlier in 2020 i think around halfway through the year and it's available to stream on amazon prime i believe and dude, it's such a it's such a crazy thing to watch because um, Sasha Baron Cohen he just impersonates that character in such a ridiculous way and just goes around America doing ridiculous things and getting it on camera and it exposes certain sides of American society that are really interesting to see in a movie and it's such an interesting movie because below all the layer of you know oh ridiculous stupid comedy. Um, there's also a lot of like serious themes to it that are kind of hidden in there um, that you can get from watching it when you know that so much of it is not scripted. Um, so yeah, I definitely think everybody should uh, should check that out. Cool. All right. Um, let's go ahead and hit up the new release of the week. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. God, I can never get you know tired of that. It's like I'm just I really I, I I swear it was let's all go to the movies. Uh anyways, um the new release of the week is actually coming out nationwide in theaters this Friday on January 29th. It is called The Little Things and it's starring Denzel Washington, Rami Malik, and Jared Leto. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe all three of those people are are Oscar winners. Yeah, that's an all-star no, cast. These these guys are yes. great. Yes, actually, it is true. I just looked it up here. They are all Oscar winners. So, damn. That's a flex right there. Um, so, it's it says here in the official uh, synopsis here, it says, Kern County Deputy Sheriff Joe Deke Deacon, played by Washington, is set is sent to Los Angeles for what, he's, uh, what should have been a quick evidence-gathering assignment. Instead, he becomes embroiled in, his, in the search for a serial, serial killer who is terrorizing the city, leading the hunt. L.A. Sheriff Department Sergeant Jim Baxter, played by Malik, impressed with Deke's cop instincts, unofficially engages his help. But as they track the killer, Baxter is unaware that the investigation is dredging up echoes of Deke's past and covering disturbing secrets that could threaten more than his case. So I've seen the trailer. 
it's definitely uh, uh, looks like it's up my alley. My, my mom, she really loves like procedural cop, you know, suspense, uh, like, I guess uh, thrillers. And this kind of does seem like a thriller. So, yeah, my, my parents really like those kinds of movies, too. This would be a great one to uh, to watch with them and great cast. I, um, it wasn't I didn't even know about this movie before, but it's definitely on my radar now. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh yeah you might have to wait the time before it like maybe i think it might do the theatrical window and like exclusive to theaters and then it'll become on a streaming service uh maybe like one of those a la carte I- itunes situations but um i think i can i think I'll, I'll probably go to the movies pretty soon i think it's pretty safe i usually go in the movies uh, like on a monday and stuff and uh i'm not gonna lie i'm gonna tell you on a side note uh i actually watched tenet in theaters on opening weekend mm-hmm. no not not opening weekend excuse me uh the day after opening weekend so it was the monday after it opened and i had the theater to myself it was so awesome oh so wow i expect i expect the same here for the little things <laughs> interesting uh, oh that's the safe way to go to the theater i guess <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly um so dan uh let's go ahead and get to sharing the love um do you have a movie in uh, prepared you know, I have a bunch because I was like, I kept, I, I had one in mind when we started the show and then I kept being like, oh, maybe I could talk about that movie instead. Or maybe I could talk about, you know, this movie instead. But I think the one that I ultimately want to give a shout out to and, you know, we we're talking about Leo uh, DiCaprio earlier in the show and how, you know, he's in really good stuff. But one of my favorite Leo DiCaprio movies is I think one that I don't really hear talked about too much. Um, and I think it's one that he was probably not nominated. I don't know if he was nominated for an Oscar for it or not, but it was the movie Shutter Island from 2010. It's a, it's a thriller slash mystery movie. It was released in February 19, uh, of 2010 in the USA. And I just found out that it was actually directed by Martin Scorsese, um, as I'm looking <laughs> this up, cause I actually didn't know that. Uh, but this is just one of those, you know, gut wrenching, keeping you at the edge of your seat um mystery thriller movies kind of like you know get out or something like that and i i really like movies that give me that feeling of you know suspense and dread but without abusing um you know gore and jump scares i feel like there's all kind of these tactics to make people scared that i consider cheap and i i understand why people like them they're just not for me so a lot of a lot of movies when they appeal that when they're that type of like dark movie, but then they appeal too much to um to the gory side or to the jump scare side. I'm usually not that interested because I just don't like it, and you know it just makes me it 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 makes me more disgusted than it makes me scared a lot of times with the gore. And and Shutter Island is one of those movies that that's it's scary more because of the the situation and the suspense and you trying to figure out what's going on and, 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 and the mystery of the characters and less about, you know, this other stuff. So it's just the kind of mystery movie that I love. Uh, it is one of my favorite movies. I saw it in the theaters originally with a friend and I had a really good experience there. And then I saw it a few times since it has a fantastic performance by, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, like every movie that is in, do you know anything about this movie was? Yes, I watched it in theaters uh, with my uh, with my mom whenever uh, uh, it came out, and uh, shout out to the ending. Uh, that I yes. still remember it. Yes. eleven years later. Yeah, and it's also you know it's one of those movies that has you know a big plot twist kind of thing at the end, and it really catches you off guard. Even if you've kind of maybe been guessing that it could happen, um, still the way they do it and they pull it off is really good. Um, and I think I'm gonna just read the synopsis in here 
uh, so that it can kind of refresh your memories a little bit and kind of give people that are listening, you know, an insight into what the movie's about. The implausible escape of a brilliant murderess brings U.S. Marshal Teddy Daniels, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, and his new partner, played by Mark Ruffalo, who is also fantastic in the movie, to Ashcliff Hospital, a fortress-like insane asylum located on a remote, windswept island. The woman appears to have vanished from a locked room, and there are hints of terrible deeds committed within the hospital walls. As the investigation deepens, Teddy realizes he will have to confront his own dark fears if he hopes to make it off the island alive. But yes, really good movie. You know, I don't have like a big story around it or anything, but I just wanted to give it a <laughs> shout out. I just wanted to say that like uh, uh, when you watch the movie, uh, I think that's a movie you have to watch twice mm-hmm. because the second time when you watch the movie, you appreciate it, the details more. Oh, yes. Uh, it's definitely one of those. Yeah, it's definitely because it's like, you know, how like in the sixth sense, you know, everyone knows that twist. And then you're like, oh, my God. And you watch the whole movie and you realize they never mm-hmm. contradicted themselves. It's like the exact same thing again uh, with uh, with uh, Shutter Island, because you can see like M- Mark Ruffalo's character is doing things uh, that a normal cop wouldn't do. And then you realize, you know, certain key things that are happening with like the, the, the staff and how they're treating Leonardo DiCaprio's character. Um, you know, like that there's like a whole lot of. Uh, uh, you know, pr- attention to detail to make sure that everything uh, gels well together all the entire time. So it's 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 a it's a very beautiful thing. Yeah, a hundred percent. Okay, all right. It is time to end. So thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Ready Play Movies. Remember, you can reach the podcast by email at readyplaymovies at gmail or simply at readyplaymovies on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at chocolaka88 and Dan at the Dan Lima. So don't forget to subscribe, give us a review, tell your friends about the show and all that good stuff. See you next time. Bye-bye.